uh, listener write in just in regards to one of our previous episodes. Uh, Blocker Lemming is this person's name. And he or she says, Firstly, to get the mathemagic out of the way, in the app Hacking the Odds, Lachlan claims that he would suck dick for the same amount of time GS Investment Strategies LLC spent doing the hard yards winning the windfall lottery if it meant he would win $8 million. If I dabble in some quick maths, Jerry and Marge spent <laughs> one, 10 hours a day, two, 10 days straight, three, once every seven weeks, roll down weeks, for four, eight years. So eight years equals 416 weeks equals 59 roll down weeks. 59 roll down weeks times 10 days times 10 hours equals 59,000 hours equals 354,000 minutes. 354,000 divided by seven average minutes of a blowjob is 50,571 <laughs> blowjobs. $8 million divided by 50,571 blowjobs equals $158. Therefore, Lachlan would expect to have to give 50,571 blowjobs to earn his $8 million reward at an earning of $158 per blowjob. Some quick research suggests that the average Melbourne blowjob at a brothel costs $130. So Lachlan would be earning 21% more than your average prostitute for the same work. <laughs> Not the best return on investment considering Lachlan probably doesn't have the looks or the skills of your local sex worker. Blocker Lemming, you are severely underestimating me. <laughs> let me, let me just say that. You're swapping out these guys as well. Though. <laughs> Seven just, minutes they're ready now. to go. They're ready to yeah. go. I mean, if you've got the second guy loaded up in your other hand or that's something. That's right. Like, there's no downtime. Yeah, there's no downtime between dicks. That's what, that's what you need. <laughs> you're f- fluffing the second guy while you're finishing the first guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was Fallout Boy with Grand Theft Autumn. Where is your boy tonight? Well, you can't find him because he's escaped. Today we're talking about great escapes. <laughs> that's that's My name not is the worst. Not the worst you've done. No, yeah, that's, that's right. pretty good. My name is my name is Morgan, and I am joined, as always, by a couple of nuthouse escapees, Lachlan, <laughs> hello, and Bradley, hello. How are we tonight, guys? Ready to escape the clutches of podcast mediocrity and create an another amazing piece of art? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and art, it is. It and is. I just want to mention to our to our dear dear listeners, just like to mark this occasion. It's a big day. Our our innocent little Morgan. It's finally made an honest woman of his girlfriend, Shannon. Congratulations, Morgan. You and Shannon got engaged this weekend. I know. Hey, hey. <laughs> that was how the you most feeling? robotic response ever. How you feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, I feel great. That's I'm good. really excited about it. That's good. Excellent. Yeah. We're, we're both very happy for you. And uh, sorry, ladies. Brad's the last available man. <laughs> Uh, so uh. today's episode is a very special episode for reasons that I will explain presently. We received <laughs> a nice email a couple of weeks ago from a big fan who gave us some great ideas for episodes. Not only that, but he sent us some money in the form of a gift voucher to sponsor an episode because he couldn't find a PayPal link or an Amazon wish list or anything like that. Uh, We might end up doing all three of his ideas because he gave us some great ideas, but today we are doing one of them. He suggested great escapes, and god damn him for giving Brad the idea for his (laughs) research topic. (laughs) But that's the episode we're doing today, and it's actually the... uh, 
the quick maths blowjob guy as well. So he uh, yeah, sent in that. That's right. Block a yes, lemming. Block a lemming. Yeah. Thank you. Your episode tonight. We we are um, we are just assuming that it's a he. Um, I doubt any women listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very flattering that someone would want to spend their hard-earned money on us, and we are nothing if not populous. So we've set up a PayPal where anyone can donate to us if they want. It's paypal.me slash Brad is a bad person. And we'll start linking it in the description for each episode. We have some modest running costs, but we are doing this for fun and we're happy to spend our own money on those running costs. So don't worry, we're not going broke or anything. But if you'd like to contribute a few dollars a month or give us a one-off donation, that would be awesome. And you can leave a note with your donation and we're more than happy to pimp ourselves out for you. So if you give us a suggestion with your donation, we'll probably do it. Unless it's another furries episode. Mm -hmm. And if you leave a business name, we'll do an ad for your business. Or we'll just read out something stupid that you put in there if you want. Furries 2. Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Brad will literally say anything you want him to. Confirmed. If you're going to court and you need a witness, Brad is your guy. Just leave it in the note. (laughs) I did that for for the free. I do it. Yeah. Yeah, So you can uh, (laughs) buy us a beer or sponsor an episode. Force us to talk about something that uh, you want us to talk about. Not furries. We've done that <laughs> anyway, already. Thanks, figure thanks out, to figure out something worse than furries and make us talk about that. <laughs> thanks again to our first donor, Blocker Lemming. Bonus points for being an unsolicited donation. And I have a power ranking of my favorite fans. And you just shot up to number one <laughs> with a bullet. Get wrecked, mum. <laughs> Is there anything oh, you guys Mary. want to add to that? Um, the... The correspondence between us and Blocker Living has been hilarious. He seems like, or he or she seems hilarious, and glad that we uh, were entertaining enough to. Seems like a donation. top bloke. Yeah, seems. Uh, and of course, as as Morg said, we will pimp out your uh, your business, your YouTube channel, your whatever, if you sponsor an episode. Uh, now, Blocker Lemming doesn't have anything to promote, but uh, <laughs> less less of Blocker Lemming writes less of a promotion. More of a public shaming. <laughs> a brief list of people I generally don't respect and strongly believe that they should receive a Circe-esque shaming. In no particular order. One, fans of The Bachelor, including spin-offs. Two, people who take their dinner party contributions, i.e. beer, wine, etc., when they leave if it's not consumed. Oh, yes. <laughs> Three, people who ask 1,000 inane questions on Gumtree items when it's labelled as free. <laughs> Four, people who think they've mastered culture with accompanying snobbery because they bought some harab pants in Bali or a poncho in Rio. And five, people who claim to like all types of music, but in reality, it's current top of the charts, 90s classics and Eminem for diversity. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> you feel, feel personally victimized by that, Brad? Yeah, I know. I mean, I pretty much, my music tastes haven't evolved since we were in high school, so... Um, I only hear it if it's on the radio. Ooh. You don't do 90s classics, though. You do Audis classics. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of late 90s, early Audis, yeah. Well, you only get what you give. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, anyway, tonight we are talking about famous escapes. There is plenty of great material here, and we're each going to tell one tale of a daring escape. I think we can all empathize with the feeling of being trapped and the desire to break free. The desire for freedom is part of the human condition, and you can tell when someone has given up hope because they no longer strive for liberty. The stories we will tell today 
will be about literally escaping and reaching for freedom, but the metaphor is clear to all of us. So to all of our listeners, keep that flame of hope alive, sit back, relax, unless you're driving, and be inspired <laughs> by these human tales of breaking free. Mm-hmm. Now, Lachlan, before we get into it, do you want to crack open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. And Morgan, you're about to be married, so you're going to know all about what it's feel like to be trapped. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, gentlemen, I recently turned 30. I am, Mm. I'm no longer a young man. I'm not, I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm Mm. 30 years old. I am an old, old man. So in that spirit... This week I've got what all the old guys at at uh, work drink. I got a VB, fucking oh, nice. Victoria bitter, the Green Demon. I thought you were going to say you got That's a right. Abbotsford Stout or something. That's right. It's uh, That's it's real lager. Shit. It's one point four standard drinks from Melbourne. It's just any man, any old man, any man with grey hair, they're drinking VBs. Yeah, it's Australia's beer, mate. Best cold beer is Vic. Yeah, it's always in a can it's as smart. well. They always buy the cans. Yeah, yeah you got to have a can. They got those short, fat stubbies. I don't like them. Oh, I don't mind the stubbies either. That's right. I'm taking it anyway. Ugh. Yeah, good beer. I love a good Green Demon. Good solid beer. They are. Um, it's quality. I beer. popped open a. I popped open a cold one with the girl before. Uh, where I'm drinking. I'm still drinking some Verve. Click Popping bottles. And <laughs> it hijacking is, the segment. It is almost as good as a beer. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a real, so, uh, real feature-packed episode. I know. Yeah. So, Brad's story today will be terrifying and give us all nightmares, so I think we need a buffer on either side of it. All right. So, Lachlan, do you want to go first, or should I? Oh, I'll go first. All right. Do it. <laughs> okay. So, the episode's called Great Escapes. This this escape is great, but maybe not in the sense that you're imagining. Oh, no. Vasilis Paleokostas is a Greek career criminal. His MO was to kidnap a rich dude, ransom him back to his family, then give the money to poor people in the town where he grew up. A real oh. Robin Hood type. Oh, I was just thinking that. One day Robin Hood. <laughs> in 1995, the police managed to arrest him and he was sentenced to 25 years in federal pound me in the ass prison. <laughs> oh, God. Cory Dalos prison, to be specific. Cory Dalos is the highest security prison in Greece and has a reputation for being one of the worst prisons in all of Europe. Amnesty International has made repeated complaints to the Greek government about the quote-unquote inhumane treatment of detainees at Cory Dalos. The conditions here are so bad that the prison has its own strain of tuberculosis, not found anywhere else in the world and completely untreatable. This is not a fun place to be locked up, is the point I'm trying to make. And Vasilis Paleocostas would agree with me. Cory Dalos sucked major dick, and he wanted out. So, in June of 2006, he had his brother and one other quote-unquote colleague charter a sightseeing helicopter. Once in the air, the two men revealed to the pilot that the site they would most like to see was, in fact, Cory Dalos Prison. They also mentioned that they had a gun and a hand grenade, just to sweeten the deal. (laughs) So they flew to the prison and landed right in the fucking exercise yard. 
The guards, <laughs> having never seen a helicopter land at the prison before, assumed it must be for someone very important like the warden or a government official, and decided <laughs> that they were better off not asking any questions. Vasilis and his Albanian accomplice, Alket Rizai, simply strolled up to the helicopter, hopped in, and off they went. By the time the guards figured out what was happening, the chopper was out of gunfire range. They landed at a nearby cemetery, jumped on motorbikes, and disappeared into the mountains. Now, Lachlan, what makes that escape so great, you might ask? Sure, (laughs) it's a good escape. It's a decent escape, a better than average escape even. But is it a great escape? Well, the story isn't finished. You see, there's no rest for the wicked. Pretty soon after breaking out, Vasilis was up to his old tricks again. And after (laughs) ransoming a Greek industrialist back to his family for a rumored $47 million US, was re-arrested in August of 2008. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice... (laughs) Shame on no. me, said the Greek justice system. No. <laughs> We're not putting you back in the prison you so easily escaped from last time. We're sending you to a different prison. And you better believe we're going to be watching for helicopters. So they yeah. did. They sent Vasilis to another maximum security prison. And he stayed there for six months, awaiting trial for his 2006 escape, set to take place first thing Monday morning, the 23rd of February 2009. And this new prison was too far from the courts to get Vasilis there for his trial the same day. They would need to transfer him to a closer prison the day before to get him there in time. <laughs> Shit. The day before is a Sunday? Nobody wants to work on a Sunday. We'll just transfer him late in the day on Saturday. So they did. <laughs> to the closest prison to the courts where he would stand trial. Corey Dallas Prison. <laughs> oh, God. He's only Bloody there breaks. for a day. That's not enough time to plan an escape. What could go wrong? Well, guess what fucking showed up in the sky above Corey Delos the next day, boys? That's right. A hijacked sightseeing helicopter. Now, they didn't land in the exercise yard this time. That would be silly. So they hovered above it and threw a rope ladder down so Vasilis and Alcat could climb up. Now, the prison guards had seen this before, of course. So they were prepared. They started firing at the helicopter in an attempt to bring it down. What they weren't prepared for was the woman sitting in the helicopter with an AK-47 who started firing back. <laughs> oh wow. my god. She provided enough cover fire for Vasilis and Alket to make it into the chopper. They flew away, landed near a highway, and disappeared once more. Alket Rizai was, unfortunately, arrested again in November of 2009, but our man Vasilis Paleocostas is still a free man to this day. <laughs> wow. What a hero. That That's outrageous. That is a great escape. To, to escape <laughs> from the same prison using the what? same method twice. <laughs> That's outrageous. Fucking got him. God. Send him to an underground prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Put him in that fucking box that they had Magneto in in uh, fucking X-Men or something. <laughs> You send him to an underground prison, you'll just dig his way out. You know he's going to dig his way out. <laughs> oh, that's mental. I can't believe they just put him... Oh, God. I know, right? People could work on a Sunday. Come on. Don't be lazy. <laughs> yeah, no one wants Greece. to work on a Sunday. There's a reason their economy collapsed. <laughs> 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 uh, 
It's true. It's like, yeah, people don't want to work on a Sunday. No one wants to break people out of prison on a Sunday. Nah, it's, it's, a sun- it's the Sabbath, you know? Don't worry about it. Yeah, she'll be right. <laughs> I think if you read that um, helicopter sightseeing company, you'd be like, all right, before people get on board, we're going to check if they have an AK-47. <laughs> Uh, so That's the thing. thing. It's not like they were stealing the helicopters. They needed mm. a pilot, and the pilot was the sightseeing guy. Yeah. It's like, what's yeah, that gun-shaped uh, bag-, bag you got there? <laughs> well, in. Don't think about <laughs> it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can conceal a handgun pretty easily, but an AK, like, that's, <laughs> that's a sizable gun. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was that? What was the grenade for, by the way? <laughs> I guess, you know, they needed something. Like, they had a gun, and they're like, all right, and we, I, I have a grenade, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blow this place straight out of the sky. That's right. Like I'll that. kill us all. Oh, shit. He should have, like, shown him he was meaning business by pulling the pin on the grenade and just looking <laughs> the pilot in the eye for a few seconds, and then just tossing it out the window just in time. <laughs> Blow up in the ocean or something. It is a weird, uh, like, weapon to... It's you a can't hide yeah. with a grenade. It's a so power play. It's <laughs> total boss dog move. You got to have yeah. huge balls to threaten someone with a hand grenade. Yeah. If someone gets you into your car, like you've parked a lot or something, someone gets in the back seat and they go, "I've got a hand grenade. Drive me to the Federal Reserve. I'm going to rob it." Are you man <laughs> enough to call their bluff, Brad? I would absolutely call it. Well, you're nah, not going to kill yourself. I'd kill you too. <laughs> if they had a gun, I'd be like, or a knife, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, okay, I'll drive it." A grenade. It's like you can kill yourself. Fuck you. Get out of my car. <laughs> No one get in my did car you, with a grenade, though, please. Did you guys ever play Call of Duty and someone would throw a grenade at you and there's still time on the grenade so throw you can back. pick it up and throw it back? Yep. Oh, some of the most satisfying kills are when you throw back a grenade and it kills the person who threw it at you. Grenada! Yeah, okay, well, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> it's just a great story. I great, mean. even. Yeah. Great escape. Yeah. Greatest escape. Um, all right, Brad, do you want to... Give us all the Oh, yeah, it's time to bring the mood right the fuck down, boys. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you for this, Senor Lemming. Yes. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah, this was suggested by Mr. Lemming himself. Mr. Lemming wanted it, and he shall get it. Uh, <clears throat> the Fritzel case. Right. So I'm sure everybody listening has heard of the Fritzel case, but in case anyone isn't familiar, I'll give you a rundown of what happened. On the 28th of August, 1984, Joseph and Rosemary Fritzel's 18-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, disappeared from the family home in Armstetten, Austria. Her mother filed a police report the following day, and after three weeks, the family received a letter from Elizabeth <clears throat> claiming she has run away with a friend. She specifically tells them not to look for her and that any attempt will force her to flee from the country. When she was 16, Elizabeth fled to Vienna with her friend, where they were located after three weeks and she was returned to the Fritzl house. Given her past attempt to run away and the letter, there is little the police can do, and after 12 months of half-hearted searching, the case is closed. Uh, Unfortunately for Elizabeth, she hasn't run off and escaped the Fritzl house. Rather, this is just the beginning of her 24-year ordeal at the hands of her father in his purpose-built rape dungeon. It's getting dark, boys. Nightmare. In 1978, Joseph Fritzl applied for a permit to build a bomb shelter at 40 Yabstrass, which is the address of their house in Elmstetten, and after completing the initial room and storage base, decided to add a little more. 
35 square meters, to be precise. Hiding the bunker behind a shelf and a concrete reinforced steel door, the bunker was inspected after completion and investigators approved it. None the wiser to the horrors that were to take place feet from where they stood. In 1984, Joseph lured Elizabeth down to the basement whilst Rosemary was away and using an ether-soaked rag subdued her and handcuffed her in the basement. For the next two years, she would be alone in this small underground bunker, save from the nightly company of her father, who would rape her. Jesus. Yep. In 1986, she would fall pregnant, only to miscarry 10 weeks into the pregnancy. In 1988, she would fall pregnant again and give birth to her literal salvation, Kirsten, on the 30th of August, almost four years to the day from her abduction. Uh, It bears mentioning throughout all of this that Elizabeth never received any medical attention or assistance. Her childbirths were all natural and without Joseph's help. He gave her medical supplies, but left her down there by herself in the bunker. In the first 10 years of her captivity, Elizabeth gave birth to four children. Kirsten, <sighs> Stefan in 1990, Lisa in 1993, and Monica in 1994. Unbelievably, despite the shittiness of her situation, Elizabeth is able to give birth to four healthy children and even begins to educate them herself. Due to the cramped space, Joseph orders Elizabeth to begin es- excavating a further 20 square metres for the bunker by hand with her children and takes nine-month-old mo- nine Lisa from the bunker. This creates an interesting, interesting dynamic in the future as Lisa becomes the first of the upstairs children. Ugh. Joseph leaves her, uh, leaves her on the front door of the house with a note from Elizabeth abandoning her where she is founded by Rosemary. In the next eight years, Elizabeth gives birth two more times. Twins, Michael and Alexander, in 1996, and Felix in 2002. Sadly, Michael passes away from a very survivable medical condition at just three days old, because despite Elizabeth's pleading, Joseph refused to take the child to get any medical attention. Um, Monica and Alexander become the second and third upstairs, upstairs children, when they are abandoned in much the same way Lisa was. So each time it was a stroller, a box, and I think another box. Um, at this point in time, it's early 2003, and Elizabeth has been in captivity for almost 20 years. Oh, my God. She has had seven children over the period, three of whom live upstairs with Joseph, unaware that their mother and siblings are all trapped meters below them. Elizabeth and the remaining three children now live in a dimly lit bunker with a ceiling height of 1.68 metres. A TV is their only source of uh, contact to the outside world. That and Joseph. For the next five years, everything goes on like normal. Joseph continuing to live a double life. Elizabeth trying to shield her children from the horrible reality of the situation. That is until early 2008. Kirsten, now 19, her first child falls critically ill with kidney and liver issues. And remarkably, Joseph, finding a shred of humanity, arranges for her to leave the bunker for the first time in her life to go to a hospital. Once there, she is put into a medically induced coma. The hospital staff believe it may be a genetic condition and ask to speak to the girl's mother. Joseph says he has no idea where Elizabeth is and that she was abandoned on his doorstep. So the police are contacted. 
At the request of the police, a nationwide message is sent out through the media requesting Elizabeth to go to the hospital or get in contact with the police to save her daughter's life. In one of the blunders of the century, thankfully, Joseph decides to take Elizabeth to the hospital to see her daughter under the condition that he'll kill all of the other children if she says anything. Oh my god. As soon as she arrives at the hospital, her and Joseph are taken in, taken to a police station as they, they suspect that that Elizabeth and Joseph may have been holding Kirsten hostage. She's in that bad of a situation. That bad of a condition. Uh, Elizabeth refuses to say anything until they reassure her that she'll never have to see Joseph again. At midnight the next day, Joseph Fritzl is arrested for incest, coercion, false imprisonment, enslavement, and, and negligent homicide. He pleads guilty to all charges and is sentenced to life in prison. Joseph Fritzl was 73 when he was arrested. He's now 83 because it's been 10 years. But that is that is how she escaped. Now, a lot of people wonder why she didn't get out, but the bunker that he built was almost impressive in how terrible it was. It, there was eight doors between her and Freedom, um, the, la- the last door being the, the worst. Uh, they reckon it was about a 300-kilo door on, on rails, and it was f- a steel door filled with concrete. And... All of the doors had electronic keypads, which he he knew the code to. So, on top of that, he lied to them and said that if they tampered with any of the doors, they would be gassed immediately, uh, which turned out to be an empty threat. He At least he didn't go that far. Um, But, yeah, it was... Joseph Fritzl was just a fucking sociopath, like absolute psychopath and sociopath. He locked her underground. The kids were part of it. He planned to have kids. Um, It was a part of his way of controlling her. So it's not like the kids were unplanned here. He had seven kids beforehand, so he had a total of 14 children. Uh, it's just a fucked situation. Um, yeah. She spent that is, 8, 000, that is actual evil. Yeah, she spent 8,642 so... days underground. Oh, my God. And... You would just be, even just not having sunlight for that long would fuck you up. Yeah, well, I mean... Not to mention all the other stuff. One of the things that they remarked when they first saw Elizabeth is that she was only, uh, what was it, 18, so she would have been 42, but she looked in her 60s. Ugh. Like how she had you, aged. How do you go back to um, normal life after that? Like, Yeah. Um, more more than half your life you've been locked up and just raped... Day after day, how can you how can you live a normal life after that? You can't. Like, no. what, do you, what do you do? Um, did he did he have a wife upstairs as well? Yes, Rosemary. Which um, and she was none the wiser. Yeah, they say that she was none the wiser. Um, that she had to. He was. I don't know if I believe he that. was so very well. I mean, the thing is though, he the house that he lived forty uh, Yabstrap was he rented out apartments in it. Like it, it's a big house, and he rented out rooms in the house to people. Some people, there was one person who stayed there for 12 years. There was one person who stayed there for four years and none of them had any idea. It, simply the, oh, due to the fact that he was so authoritarian. I originally started, I was like, Rosemary must be complicit in some way. Even if, like she knew about it, but she was too scared to do anything or something like that. Yeah. But there's people who had no bearing in the situation who would have obviously helped like, you know, tenants and they had no idea. So that gives her a bit more... What did she think he was doing every night, though, when he left? Like, um, he, he Some of the excuses he used were he, he was designing stuff and he didn't want to be disturbed because um, oh. he worked as an engineer. So, he well, was going true, down to I the guess. basement. <laughs> yeah. 
And <laughs> to be fair, he definitely didn't <laughs> want to be disturbed. Um, but yeah, he would he would say he was going down to design something. He'll be back later. Don't disturb me, basically. But she was afraid of him. He used to beat um, Rosemary uh, and a lot of the kids. So he he was just he was just a straight sociopath. He controlled them so so rigidly that they didn't question him. Um, like if all of a sudden, you know, your dad started doing something like that, you'd question him because he hasn't been like that all the time, but they were yeah. raised that way. They just, just knew him as this very strict authoritarian man. Um, and when Elizabeth left, they didn't question anything. Uh, so in a way they're sort of guilty, but they're also victims themselves of his, of him. Yeah, it still doesn't really feel like a great escape in a way. It's more like a. I think it's a great escape. It's great. It's great that she escaped. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it's great. A great escape in the sense that she was able to keep herself so composed for twenty four years. She raised three kids underground, and they're all healthy kids. Well, as healthy as you can be in that situation. I mean, she educated them herself. They all live together now, and apparently they're pretty well adjusted. Uh, Yeah. Considering yeah. everything, that, like she was such a strong person that she managed to shield them from so much of it. Um, he was a sociopath and actually used to tell the downstairs kids about the upstairs kids, like take photos of them having fun in the yard and in the swimming pool and bring them down and oh, say, you'll Jesus. never live like this. You got to wonder how oh, she wow. didn't kill herself. Like, no, I know. After, so that's why after I consider like, it a great escape because oh, man. I, I would have killed myself, but she was just so mentally strong. Man, my story was so, like, upbeat and funny. and I know. You just you just ruined the mood, Brad. We're having a good well, time here. I, I thought I was going to bring the mood I got a fun fun little fact, though. Oh, there's nothing no. fun about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a personal. just terrible. Uh, personal. No, okay, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, when I went, uh, went to see a friend of ours who lived in on King's Cross in New South Wales. Yep. And this was uh, some years ago. In fact, it was 2009, I believe. 2008, 2009. Um, and we were out drinking and we ran into a bunch of Austrian backpackers who were doctors on a, um, <laughs> on like a little bit of a fun tour, and doctors and nurses. And one of them was a nurse who attended to Joseph Fritzl when he was brought into hospital by the police. No shit. No shit. Yeah, because I was like making a joke and I'm like, Fritzl, and all their faces went blank. And then she's like, I I saw Joseph Fritzl. I was like, what the fuck? Wow. Yeah. Apparently there's like a video of like the paparazzi chasing her and she's like there with Fritzl walking along beside him as he came into the hospital. Okay. That's, yeah, that's like pure evil sort of stuff. That is. That's the sort of stuff that makes you lose faith in Mm. humanity and makes you just want to like... You know, if you're abducted by aliens and you're in a spaceship and they're just like, you want to blow up Earth? I think if you're you're listening to this, <laughs> you'd do it. <laughs> you just heard about Brad explain that, you'd just be like, yeah, push that button. Get rid of that. Yeah. Mm. I don't know how you nothing, can do that. No, do that to anyone, nothing, let alone your own child. Yeah. There is nothing good enough in the world to make up for that. Nah, that's right. You know? To counterbalance that. No, uh, I don't know. Like, I think there's I'm some the, good things out there that counterbalance it, but- not many. No, I can't. No. <sighs> well, that sucks. Can we can we keep moving? <laughs> I'm happy yeah, to let's, move let's, on. Let's talk about something um, fun. <laughs> uh, it might take a while to get into it, but 
you know, to, to change the mood. But by the end, we're a little bit excited and laughing again. So okay. it's all good. Stick with us. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm already there. Alcatraz State Penitentiary, located on Alcatraz Island, the island of the Pelicans, two kilometers off the coast of San Francisco, it was a brutal prison for America's most notorious federal criminals, bank robbers, Murderers, gangsters, all the worst people were housed in The Rock during its years of operation 1934 to 1963. It was the ideal place for a maximum security federal prisoner. Prison. Even if a prison could escape, uh, could bypass the guards and breach the walls, he still had the freezing cold waters and strong currents of San Francisco Bay to contend with. But... Every man, especially those crushed by the all-powerful state, yearns for liberty, and a near-impossible task is still worth undertaking if the prize is the sweet, sweet air of freedom. One third of all inmates were sent to Alcatraz prison because they had escaped or attempted to escape from their previous prison, and half the inmates were documented officially as an escape risk. One inmate, Herb Lucky Julik says that escaping was all he could think about. It was all that they talked about. That faint glimmer of hope was the only way to keep sane. But the fences, steep cliffs, strong currents, and cold water were enough to deter most from even attempting. In fact, two would-be escapees, each individually on separate occasions, were found on the rocks near the water, shivering, having immediately changed their mind after getting in the water. They had made it out of the prison, over the fences, down the steep cliffs, the idea of the cold water and the strong currents, which would have certainly been a concern beforehand, uh, but when faced with the brutal reality of the harsh sea, they couldn't do it. Pussies. It also <laughs> just didn't want to It also didn't help that the guards liked to encourage the false idea that the bay was infested with man-eating sharks, <laughs> despite there never having been a reported shark attack in the bay. <laughs> it's not like they could Google were, it, but- no, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of these guys were like, they're federal criminals, so they're from other states and stuff, so they wouldn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you grew up in Kansas or Mississippi. Yeah, you just see an ocean. Like, I don't like any ocean, regardless of whether there's a shark attack recorded there or yeah, not. There's always a first. You, <laughs> you freaked out that time when you heard that there were bull sharks in Sydney <laughs> yeah, Harbour Bay. Absolutely. And, I was, and I've been in that water. I'd never go in there again. Fuck that. <laughs> Uh, so there were thir- there were fourteen documented escape attempts from Alcatraz during its thirty years of operation. Of the thirty six prisoners who undertook this dangerous task, twenty three were caught and returned to prison. Six were shot and killed, two having have been confirmed to have drowned, and five were never found. The five are made up of a duo and a trio of escapees. Both groups are missing and, according to official investigations, presumed drowned. Now, the 31 bozos who were caught or killed were not the highest of IQ individuals. Their escape attempts ranged from climbing the fence and hoping they wouldn't be seen, seriously, <laughs> to attacking guards and trying to take over the prison. The latter happened during the infamous battle of uh, Alcatraz in 1946 when four men attacked correctional officers, gaining access to a weapons cache and taking over the prison. Two other inmates who had not been part of the planning ever the opportunist, join up with the fellow prisoners once it had started. <laughs> the army, navy, and marines were all brought in to deal with the threat, and in the Jesus. end, three of these prisoners and two COs were killed in the conflict. Ooh. The injuries were, su- injuries were sustained by one uninvolved prisoner and 11 COs. The three inmates involved 
who survived were Clarence Carnes, Sam Shockley, and Moran Thompson. Shockley and Thompson were the only two not involved in the planning, but were nevertheless sentenced to death for their role in killing the COs. They were transferred to San Quentin and executed in a gas chamber two years after the battle. Clarence Carnes, also known as the Choctaw Kid, was a Choctaw Indian, famous (laughs) for being the youngest prisoner ever at Alcatraz, 18 years old when he arrived. He was spared from the death penalty after a few of the COs taken hostage testified that he had refused to carry out instructions to kill them. He was, however, sentenced to an additional 99 years in prison, but he was somehow paroled in 1973, serving only 30 years of his total sentence, which was, all up, life in prison plus 203 years. Fucking hell. <laughs> that seems like a downgrade. Give me the chair. Fuck. <laughs> How do you get out when you have like? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How's that work? That's the great escape of this story. Has someone got out of prison? <laughs> Rorted the system. Yeah. Uh, but what about the five prisoners who escaped and were never found? Well, in 1937, Ted Cole and Ralph Rowe busted their way out of the tire repair shop that had, they had been entrusted to work in. Only the good prisoners were allowed to work in this part of the island. No such thing as a good prisoner. From, <laughs> which was separate from the main prison. They were present for a 12.50pm headcount, but missing for the 1.30pm headcount. They had sawed their way through the bars of the shop surreptitiously over many days and had disguised the damage with shoe polish and grease. Presumably, they popped the bars immediately after the 12.50 headcount and made their way towards shore. They still had a fence to get through, but a wrench from the repair shop would make quick work of the gate lock. They entered the freezing water with nothing but a couple of improvised flotation devices made from jerry cans and swam for freedom. Oh. Their bodies were never found, but it is believed that the strong currents at the time would have swept even an expert swimmer out under the Golden Gate Bridge and into the Pacific, never to be seen again. There was also heavy fog at the time, meaning the men who would not have, would not have been able to direct themselves properly towards land. Those, though rumours flourished and sightings were reported to police, no good evidence was ever found to suggest these men made it out alive. They almost certainly drowned. R.I.P. in peace, Mr. Cole and Mr. Rowe. Mm. <laughs> F's uh, in the chat. I hope they, uh, hope they escaped. Hope they made it to the land. Made it to freedom. Yeah. Down to Mexico. You know. <laughs> Living the high life. <laughs> I don't know. What, were, time, they, what were they arrested for? Um... All all the people I'm talking about, all the five mm. that are missing and presumed drowned, were non-violent. It was all robberies and thefts and stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, not good people, but not violent people. Mm. Um, anyway, now it's time for the big enchilada. The escape attempt that became a Clint Eastwood movie. The escape attempt, so famous it is simply known as The Escape from Alcatraz. Completely overriding and totally shitting on every other escape <laughs> attempt. <laughs> It was the escape attempt because it was a genius plan, executed flawlessly, and, unlike Cole and Rowe, it is reasonable to believe they may have actually survived. More about that later. I'm talking about the three other escapees who were never found, Frank Morris and John and Clarence Angland, two brothers. The plan, however, was hatched by another man, Alan West, who was unable to get his shit together on the night of the escape and was left behind by his companions. (laughs) Came up with the plan, didn't get to go through. Oh, that's cold. (laughs) As sad as this is for West, it is great for us because his inability to leave his cell meant that he was left behind to fill in all the details of the escape. 
The four men, each in their own tiny cement cell, chiseled away at the sides of a small vent in the back of their unit until it was big enough to squeeze through. For months, they used anything they could to make a dint in the concrete. They mostly used spoons that they had sharpened, but they also managed to create an improvised drill with a motor stolen out of a vacuum cleaner. By May 1962, Morris and the Anglins had busted through to the other side, but West was still working. West was not in a rush, since his task for the escape could be completed inside his cell. The four concealed their escape holes with false walls, and every night, Morris, Morris and the Anglers would crawl out of their cell and climb up the piping to the vacant top level of the cell block. Their goal was to dismantle a fan in the ceiling and escape through a vent. The top floor of the cell block would have been in clear sight of the guards, however, but Alan West had planned for this. He first came up with the escape plan while doing one of his prison-appointed jobs, cleaning the top floor of the cell block during the day. <laughs> you see, it gets real dusty up there, and West started deliberately sweeping the dirt and dust so it would fall in front of the cells below. When enough inmates complained, bed sheets were hung to catch the debris, the debris, uh. <laughs> which also conveniently obscured the view of the top floor, allowing the three men to work in the evening undetected in their makeshift oh. workshop. Fuck me. Genius. While up there, they had two jobs. Number one, dismantle the fan to gain access to the vent. And number two, make a raft out of stolen raincoats. These motherfuckers somehow managed to steal more than 50 raincoats without anybody (laughs) noticing. They stole so many, in fact, that they were actually able to make life preservers as well. (laughs) Just the cherry on top. (laughs) They hand-stitched the raincoats and sealed them tight with steam from the vents. That's genius stuff. Oh, my God. But all this would have been for nothing if they were noticed missing during a routine headcount at the prison. To overcome this, the four of them had made fake heads to put in their beds (laughs) out of soap, toothpaste, concrete dust, toilet paper, and most importantly, hair clippings stolen from the prison (laughs) barbershop floor. How real is it? It sounds like the guards should have... (laughs) Soap and toothpaste. (laughs) I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I know it sounds like the guards should have noticed anyway, but I'll put a link in the description to images of these heads because they ah. looked fucking amazing. Okay, I this would fool him. you in dim light. I, I swear. I gotta say, yeah, you'll see. On June 11, 1962, it was time. The fan was dismantled and the vent was clear. All four men had broken through to the other side of their cell. So as soon as it was lights out and the first head count was completed, they sneaked out of their cells, leaving the dummy heads in their beds. But there was a problem. West had been nervous about his false wall slipping, so he had kept it in place with a little bit of cement. When it was time to go, he realised that the cement had hardened and he couldn't get it off. Oh, shit. As he was desperately chipping away, the others were getting impatient. The others tried kicking the false wall out from behind, but were unable to do it. So how long should they wait? How long can they wait? Morris and the Anglins decide that they can't risk it any longer. They climb up to the top floor, gather their raft and tools, and go through the vent. From the roof, they scale down the pipe, down a pipe on the side of the prison, climb over two fences that are in the blind spot of the guard towers, and descend a steep embankment to reach the water. Here, they inflated the raft that they had uh, built with a concertina, which is a musical instrument like an accordion that they had fashioned into a bellows. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, machine, this machine made quick work of the inflation, and the men took off, never to be seen again. 
they actually they actually figured out how to turn crazy. a musical instrument into a pump and that's blow up the raft. Genius. Oh. It, it was brilliant. Meanwhile, Alan West finally broke out of his cell and quickly got up to the vent. When he made it to the roof, he realized his friends were gone. <laughs> he sat on the oh. roof alone until sunrise oh. when he solemnly made his way back to his cell and went to sleep. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> that, he just sat on the roof all night. That's oh. fuck. He came up with a whole plan and they took all his hard work oh, and fucked I off. I feel so bad for him. I feel bad for him. Well, I have to say as well, though, that he's the one telling the story. So he's probably saying that he came up with the plan, even though it was probably like, you know. Anyway, this is this is his version of events because yeah. he's the one who's, you know, That's telling true. the story. That's true. So I don't know how much of it was his plan, but, you know. Anyway. Um, so is Alan West lucky or is he unlucky? Would he have drowned that night if he had made it out of his cell? Did his companions make it to freedom or did they perish in the harsh San Francisco Bay? Well, according to the US government, they almost certainly died that night. And we all Propaganda. know the US government's intelligence agencies <laughs> are always correct about everything and never engage in cover-ups. Here are the facts so you can decide for yourself. The FBI investigated for 17 years and concluded oh their record with the theory that the raft had most likely broken up on the journey and sunk. Then the men were forced to swim and quickly drowned, their bodies being swept out to sea, never to be seen again. What was their evidence for this? Well, presented in the final report is as follows. Number one, the raft was never recovered, meaning it most likely sank. And two, Alan West claims that the men planned to steal a car once making it back to shore, but there were no cars reported stolen for the 12 days after the escape. No raft left on the shore, no car stolen, seems pretty clear to me. The US Marshal Service still has an open and active case file for the escape. And when the FBI finally transferred their files to the US Marshals, well, it actually turns out that the raft was found on nearby Angel Island <laughs> and, a and a blue Chevrolet was reported stolen the next morning, meaning it was stolen during the night. Oh. <laughs> they did it. The so great imposters did it. Did so it. I, guess, I guess we'll just never know. <laughs> Oh, mate. Good for I, them. I, I Good hope for they're them. tipping cervezas in Mexico right now. <laughs> they're, they're two strongest pieces of evidence for why they died are in, like, not in the official report, but in the case files sent to the US Marshal Service. They're like, yes, so we found this raft yeah. <laughs> and the ore. The, the ore from the raft that they found matched the ore that was left on the shore of Alcatraz because mm -hmm. it was Alan West's ore yeah. that he never ended up using. So it's definitely their raft. And then, yeah, they just said, yeah, no cars were stolen, even though a car was stolen <laughs> that night. Good for Fuck them. It Good for them. People, they put in the time, been, they put in the effort. You know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think if you want if you put want your mind to something, you can, uh, you can achieve whatever you want. Yeah. If you want it that bad, just clear it. Let them, let them have it. They've earned it. Yeah, what a plan. Mm. Executed flawlessly, <laughs> apart from Alan West. Oh, that poor fool was stuck there for, I'm assuming, for a long time. A lot of people uh, accuse the FBI of engaging in a cover-up or, you know, trying to make their prisons look better because, you know, uh -huh. it is escape-proof. No one can make it off the island. They would drown. But other people have hypothesized that the FBI might have been trying to make it seem like they thought these people were dead, so then the guys wouldn't uh, be as careful in their hiding. 
could also be more it likely be, to catch him because it can be twofold. It doesn't have to be both. Like they could be trying stuff. to draw him out. Actually, yeah, could be trying yeah, to make yeah, him make him go. Hey, well, no, we made it. We're geniuses. <laughs> oh yeah, like tempting it because they're yeah. like it's a pride thing. Yeah, it's like no, we made it. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's a um, there's a photo of two men in Brazil on a farm, and uh, the Anglin family. Claims that it's um, the two brothers, John and Clarence. Oh, and they went to South America just like the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a photo from nineteen in the 1970s, I think 1971. And um, some forensic experts uh, have looked over the photo and concluded that it is almost certainly the Anglin brothers. Nice. How, how can it. you be an expert in photos? They like, did it. What do you mean? Photo like, analysis. Check their faces against age progression and stuff or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't put much credence in that, but yeah. Yeah, but anyway. I reckon they made it. It's a better story if they did make it. They absolutely made it. The the Ralph made it. Angel Island, they stole a car. See you later. Down Mexico away. Easy. (laughs) Easy. Yeah. Some guy guy tracked all these um, cases of a blue Chevrolet um, being involved in, like, you know, shady shit for the next mm. couple of months and they f- they they reckon they could track the um the three escapees across the country and they ended up in like um the east coast or something so, nice. um, so instead of going straight from mexico they were like oh we'll just go to the other side of the uh, that's what they expected uh, to do. let the yeah. heat die hey, down throw cross. them off yeah mate they're smarter than me and they built ra- a fucking raft out of raincoats that's right oh i thought it was genius they they sealed them together by um mm. yeah, it was steam steam from the vents it's fucking genius. It, the whole thing. Yeah. I do have one question, though. Yeah. The improvised drill was made out of a vacuum motor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How the fuck did the guards not hear that? Because <laughs> the vacuum is the oh. loudest thing known to man. Like, it's louder than a Boeing 747. Yeah, but that's that's the suction part, bro. That's the motor from it. Like, it's just a part. It's just a piece. But um, the, reason they, the reason that they got away with all this chipping and drilling and stuff like that is because... Um, there was a music hour at the prison where people were allowed to play musical instruments. So then during that hour, they'd just go fucking mental because they knew no one would be yeah, able to hear it. No so they could hear it. Fire up the drill during that time. Also, I, I want to know how these, how people like, you'd always, whenever there's some sort of, you know, prison break or something like that, how they've like built a fucking false wall out of like two toothpicks and their scabs <laughs> from their knees or something like that. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking understand how they always manage to do this shit. Like, they're so ingenious in their. Like, they yeah. make homemade cement to hold a piece of plywood in the fucking way. Well, you, you would be surprised how mm. similar you can make wet toilet paper look to concrete. It's fucking yeah. crazy. I mean, well, they're, yeah, their cells were all just concrete cells. Mm. And um, they the only little bit that um, wasn't concrete was this tiny little vent mm. where air could come in and out. So they they busted off the the um the grate for the uh, grill and then because the, that's already like the start of a hole they just chipped around it so they didn't have to make like a full size hole for them to get out of but the, you know they they stopped eating so they could lose weight so they could just slip through this really yeah. small hole and yeah they just chipped away at the outside of the vent and um they would put the grate back on at night and just make the outside look like it was um. Yeah, make the outside look like yeah. it's still part Toilet of the wall paper, and stuff. But paper apparently- mache that bitch. Yeah, but yeah, it must have been so strong because old mate couldn't chip through his in a short period of time. Like they, 
They clearly no. He, he got through. He he's just false. He his false cement. wall kept slipping. His false wall kept slipping, so he used cement to keep the yeah. grill in place. How the fuck does he have cement? <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, where do you, where do you get this shit? Yeah, I don't know, but um, like you wouldn't. You, there wouldn't be a reason why you wouldn't want prisoners to have cement yeah. because it's like yeah, they can't do. How can you use cement anything? to escape? How can you use cement yeah. to make a weapon? Oh, pretty simply, I just fucking. But you know, Alcatraz is like a self-contained island. Like the, it's, you know, it's off the mainland. Obviously, Mate, they're just and like here, they... take some lumber supplies, some just no, basically a, a, no, no. a Bunnings worth of shit into your cell. And <laughs> oh, jeez, you you escaped? What the fuck? <laughs> no, like um, they were all doing jobs around the prison and stuff like that because you know. They, probably doing the upkeep of the prison and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. maybe he was in charge of patching stuff or he could just get in, he could get in um, where the cement with was the kept. guy who was and just get a little bit of cement or something like that. Because they were, that's what they used to make the um, the dummy hairs. It was like soup, uh, sorry, soap, toothpaste, um, cement yeah. and toilet paper. Like, how long did it take him to save up that soap? Like you're talking like a head, well, presumably four heads worth of soap. Ah, you steal soap from other people. Yeah, but- yeah, that's a fuckload of soap. Come on. Yeah, just do the rounds of the showers right. every morning. I think it's it was fine. mostly. To- I think it was mostly toilet paper. Yeah, I just, I'm just impressed with the ingenuity and also the lack of giving a shit by the guards. <laughs> they just didn't. Notice. Yeah, well, I mean, I, honestly, it would have been hubris. They would have been like, ah, oh, so what if they get past? The- no one's gonna get past the fucking ocean. No, it would have just. It would have just been like, I'm looking at your cell. It is fucking concrete and nothing else. Yeah. There's no way you can get out that's of right. it. <laughs> It just wouldn't have even crossed their mind that people were escaping that way. Because all the other previous escape attempts had just been like, oh, we're working outside. Let's just run for the fucking fence. <laughs> that sounds like what they should have done. They just built a raft and then they should just fucking run. <laughs> yeah. Would have saved um, them fucking sneaking out through the fucking wall. They and- should have got two helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. But no, very, very cool story. That was, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed researching that one. That was good fun. Um, all right. So I think it's time for me to do my movie review, guys. Morgan. 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 Morgan's movie review. All right. This week I watched Escape Plan 2013, or at least I watched the first 30 minutes of it. <laughs> I must say, it was an enthralling first 30 minutes, and I'm very excited to finish the movie. The film stars Sylvester Stallone, which means you will need to turn the subtitles on, as a non-convict who goes undercover in it as a convicted felon to a maximum security prisons all across the US and breaks out of them. His job is to find the flaws in the security systems. But his life got flipped, turned upside down, and a woman claiming to be from the CIA invites him to attempt a breakout in a new international prison, which is off the grid. Stallone's company implants him with a tracking device so they can bust him out if things go wrong. But when he is picked up for transport, he is beaten and the tracking device is removed. What happens next? Well, I don't know because that's when my sister came over and I had to turn the movie off. God damn it. I'm ever able to... If I am ever able to sit through an entire trailer for a movie, then I will never watch that movie. If I'm loving the trailer and I have decided that I will watch the movie, then I immediately turn it off, not wanting to spoil anything, not wanting to see the coolest action scenes or best jokes out of context. I never watched the trailer for Escape Plan because I knew two things about it. It stars Sly and Arnie, 
and it is about escaping from prison. <laughs> I didn't even get to the trailer stage. That alone was enough to convince me that I wanted to watch it. And so far, I'm not disappointed. I give the first quarter of the movie a 9 out of 10 and reserve the right to update my score after watching the rest of it. Morgan's movie review, to be continued. What a fucking piece of shit movie review. <laughs> Just so you know, for my power rankings, I only did one quarter of them as well. <laughs> you still got a full movie review, even though it was only a quarter of watching oh, it. Oh, it has a sequel. Yeah, oh, I think it's a, got a, um, a three third one. Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> I heard the third one was basically made for China. It was like one of those sort of movies. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thoroughly disappointed in that. Yeah. Uh, Why? That was a good review. <laughs> a good review. That was interesting. I had some. <laughs> ah, it was interesting. I had some good jokes in there. Was, you know, ex- explaining the plot, the setup of it. You know, uh, and then you learned a little bit about me and my trailer habits. I think it was good. I think the listeners will really enjoy that. I <laughs> disagree. <laughs> oh, man. Did you enjoy it, Brad? <laughs> I, yeah, you loved it. I uh, I think it's going to catch on, these new quarter movie reviews. Uh, <laughs> can't wait I'm for it. I'm very busy at the moment, so I should just watch a quarter of a movie every week and then... <laughs> <laughs> to fill it in next, next when I have more time. <laughs> oh, fuck it all. All right. Uh, well. Okay, Brad, do you want to do your power rankings? Yes, I will. Five? I'll do them. Brad, power rankings. So, like I said, you only get five and part of number four. So. <laughs> That's it. That's all you get. Uh, hey, you know how quarters work. Great job, Brad. <laughs> thought you were going to say something like you only get the first two. He said part of number four. four. You don't know how much do you get a part uh, of four? Oh, well, one, yeah, one quarter would it be? It would be, yes. You say yeah, that with a bit more confidence, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> quarter, yeah. yeah you you quarter. Did, I just I lost all 1. confidence. 1.25 is a yeah. quarter of five. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Good anyway, job. power rankings this week. Top five worst fathers in history. <laughs> <laughs> Excluding Joseph Fritzl, obviously. Is he your dad on this list, Brad? Number six? <laughs> no. No. He's not. Okay. Is he number six? <sighs> All right. So start at your five working mode in number one. One being the worst. Five being the least worst of the worst. <laughs> so is five a good dad? Or no. Just still a bad a dad, dad. But yeah. not, okay. not the worst dad. Yeah. Alright, right. number five. Woody Allen. <laughs> when some people have their partners call them daddy in the bedroom, it's weird. Oh god. Like no. really fucking weird. <laughs> Woody Allen took it literally when he left his partner Mia Farrow in nineteen ninety two and hooked up with her twenty one year old adopted daughter, Sunya. <sighs> their twenty one year old adopted daughter, right? Yeah, well yeah. Uh, she was from a previous marriage. Um it seems innocent enough, though, as they were consenting adults, until you consider that Alan had been acting as her father since she was nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm, that's fucking. That's a that's a terrible father right there. Yeah, that's gross. I agree. Right. Number four, Johnny Eric Marlowe. Many people won't have heard the name Johnny Eric Marlowe before, but it's a serious case of DIY gone wrong. Marlowe was charged in 2008 for circum- circumcising two of his children with a utility oh. knife. 
Oh. oh, Jesus. Number three. Yep. Marlo number was three. a polygamist with two wives oh. and a history of abuse. This case just goes to show that all polygamists are degenerates and circumcision is the devil. Wow. Let's, 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 not, go, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> uh, number three. Oh, that's terrible. Herod the Great, the king of Judea in 37 BCE, my boy Herod, has <laughs> had a hard-on for familicide. He first topped his wife, Mariam, because he thought she was acting shifty. After 20 years, <laughs> he still hadn't got over it, so he knocked off his two sons, thinking they might have justice boners. <laughs> oh. Herod's third and youngest son now thought his succession to the throne was looking good until Herod pulled a 180 and killed him for no reason. <laughs> Father of the year, 37 BC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two, Marvin Gay Sr. <laughs> this shitty father did everything he could to hold back his son in life, but despite all of his best efforts, Marvin Gaye Jr. had an extremely successful singing career in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. On the 1st yep. of April, 1984, Sr. said, let's get it on, and shot Jr. in the heart and shoulder. <laughs> Jr. was taken to the hospital, but no amount of sexual healing could save him, <laughs> and he was pronounced dead. <laughs> Worst April Fool's ever. <laughs> and uh, number one, Abraham. The, ori- <laughs> the, the original dick father. He took his son Isaac on a three day journey and made him climb a hill before he intended to butcher him for God. The dick even made Isaac carry the wood he was going to burn him with. <laughs> if it hadn't been for a bro angel showing up to point out a ram caught in a, in the, in a thicket by his horns, the madman would have actually done it. That's an awkward walk way back down the hill. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my parakeets. God, yeah. God was just, uh, you know, he was bored. Just thought troll some dudes. Yeah. Hey, go kill your son. If you love me, you'll kill your son. So, oh, wait, so, don't kill him. I was just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's destiny. Um, so, number three killed three of his sons. Yeah. Number two killed one son, mm-hmm. and number one didn't kill his son. <laughs> yes, but number one is is a dick, because he's the father he's of all a- modern religion, and he was more than happy to burn his son alive, make him carry the wood there. I mean, if Marvin... Oh, actually, I forgot to mention, Marvin Gaye Sr. shot his son with a gun his son bought him for Christmas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Insult to yeah, injury. I forgot, I forgot to add that in there. Fuck. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. OG. OG yeah. bad dad. OG bad dad. Exactly. That's why I, I was getting, like, realistically, probably not as bad as, say, Herod the Great or Marvin Gaye Senior, but he's the OG bad dad. Yeah. Hmm. You're an expert in all things bad. Yeah, I am. <laughs> all right. That was fun. Yeah, that was, that was good. Lucky, well, you want to wrap us up? Yep. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We truly, truly appreciate your listenership. Uh, thank you again, Blocker Lemming, for sponsoring this episode. Remember, everyone, if you would like to sponsor an episode, hit up paypal.me slash Brad is a bad person. And uh, you can either put in the notes the episode you'd like us to do or send us an email separately if it needs a bit of uh, explaining, you know, a bit more room in an email. And uh, we'd like to hear from you anyway, even if you're not going to sponsor an episode. Send us an email anyway. Tell us what's going on. Uh, we, yeah, we had good bants back and forth with Blocker Lemming. Even if he didn't send us money, it was fun to interact yeah, with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He seems like a cool dude. And 
or cool dudette. Who knows? <laughs> Local lemmings, not a real name. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway. Lemmings don't have genders. Anyway, <laughs> again, <laughs> thank you for listening to us. If you'd like to help us, uh, you can yeah head to paypal.me slash Brad is a bad person, buy us a beer, uh, or give us a small donation. Yeah, I'll set uh, up an Amazon wish list, and my first item will be a Hitachi for my cam soda shows. That's right, magic wand. Oh, uh, yeah. If you'd on. like to help us in the non-financial sense, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Uh, please also subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head to bradisabadperson.com. You'll find all our old episodes. You'll find a list of everywhere you can subscribe to us and listen to us. And uh, just, like I said, get in touch. We want to hear from you guys. We want to interact with our audience. Mm. We do. We miss hearing from you guys, you know. So lonely. So lonely.